You braved the rain. You didn't melt. I am so proud of you because I know some, some of you are watching online today because you didn't want to get your hair wet. We are still glad you are watching and that you are joining us. So we may pick on you a little, but at least you tuned in for church. But I just want to give you guys a big hand because, you know, this, this shows me a lot when people don't let, you know, it's 35 degrees or the fact that it's raining. This lets me know that our church isn't just about convenience. So give yourselves a hand. And... I know, I'm sure it looks a lot better in the Netherlands right now. I see you're joining us. We've got Netherlands, Georgia, North Carolina, Kentucky, Vermont, South Carolina, Michigan, Louisiana, Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, California, Indiana, and New Hampshire. Welcome. We are so glad that you are joining us. We hope the weather is a little bit better where you are. Well, hey, we are in a series uh, called The Armor of God, and we have been going through this series um, for the month of January, and I believe Pastor Olin was here last week, and I'm excited to get to be here with you all today. So you ready just to jump into it? Uh, Y'all got to be a little bit more rowdy than that. Say, heck yeah. All right. Uh, The armor of God uh, is an analogy, it's in Ephesians chapter 6, and it's when Paul was actually imprisoned, here he is bound up in prison, and that doesn't stop him from preaching the gospel. As a matter of fact, the majority of the, the books that Paul wrote, it was while he was imprisoned. And he didn't let a situation in the natural affect him from doing what he needed to do in the spiritual realm. So here he is sitting in a prison and he's pinning out different books of the New Testament. And he writes Ephesians and in Ephesians chapter 6, he goes through the different parts of the armor. I mean, how apropos, here he is looking at a Roman soldier because he's in jail, and he makes an object lesson out of it. And he just starts uh, describing different parts of the armor. And with each piece of armor, there is a distinct purpose and a distinct protection that Paul lets us know that is available to us So we're going to dive in and go through this because we need to understand as Christians what spiritual warfare looks like and how to be suited up when we are faced with darts or wiles or fiery arrows that the devil sends our way. Because the victims of spiritual warfare are those who are untrained, unprepared, and unwilling. So we're going to make sure that we've got our armor on and we know what's what. So when the devil tries to throw stuff at us, we are protected. So if you're tired of being wounded by spiritual attacks, then knowing how to put on the armor is our solution. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong. Look at the neighbor, your neighbor and say, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. Look at your second favorite neighbor and say, stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle, say wrestle. Y'all just said that aggressive. 
I got some wrestlers in here. Wrestle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, not a part, not a piece, but all of it. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, look at your neighbor, say to stand. And then after you've done that, after you've stood, then it says, stand therefore, shout that out, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, that's putting on your belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, then he's referring to himself, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, I just have to say, how many of us don't speak the way we need to speak because we're going through a situation or we don't want somebody to say something unkind about us or we, don't, we say we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but really the truth of the matter is we're not concerned about hurting their feelings. We're concerned if we do hurt their feelings, then they'll retaliate and we don't like the way that feels. So it's really not as holy as we make it out to be, like we're just being kind to the other person. That's not really what it's about. What it's really about is making sure we protect ourselves. When Paul is saying, even when he's in chains, he is going to boldly proclaim the gospel. Man, we go through a little situation at work and our boss says something like, hey, you can't be speaking like that or talking like that. And we're like, okay, okay, we're, we're going to be quiet. He is thrown in jail for the gospel and he still doesn't be quiet. And he begins to write the New Testament for us to read. Pretty phenomenal. Now, while this is a military metaphor of a, metaphor of a first century Roman soldier, it is also to show all of us that as readers of this gospel, as Christians who are being told about the armor, it's also for us to engage in active battle and to be suited up. So we can win the war. For those of you who don't know, today is actually the 50th anniversary, today is, of Roe v. Wade when that was enacted. But I will also say on the flip side, because we suited up, because we fought back and we fought battles, we persevered when things were difficult, that was also overturned. 
Now, we're not done. We still have battles to fight when it comes to that on local levels. And this is just a little side, side note. Whether you like Donald Trump or whether you think he's just a harsh New Yorker that has a big mouth, Donald Trump put three Supreme Court justices in place that overturned this. So it is not... It is not just about personality. We have to look at platform and what each platform stands for, whether we like the person that's in the office or not. I am not electing someone based on whether they're sweet and kind because I don't need a good peacetime general. I need a good wartime general. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we've got battles we have to fight, but we're not gonna fight them effectively unless we are suited up and we've got our armor on. So let's go down through some pieces um, of this scripture because Old Testament Hebrew, written in Hebrew, New Testament is written in Greek, but the Greek language is extremely different than our English language. Because in the Greek, they get real nitty-gritty and specific. And in English, we just kind of make blatant statements, and then we just allow you to interpret what those statements are. What do I mean by that? Well, I could say, I love Troy Maxwell, and I love Chick-fil-A. And it's at your discretion which one you interpret has more meaning. But based upon our English word for love, We throw that word around so the intensity doesn't always come out. And and we just are leaving people to assume which one has more intensity. Does she love Chick-fil-A more or does she love her husband more? And it really just depends on the week. (laughs) So I ain't joking. Y'all think I'm joking. This week it's Troy Maxwell. So the thing that I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go down through some of these Greek words and I'm going to explain to you the intensity that's given and the meaning that it's given that if you just look at it in English, it won't translate. So let's start first with those words where we shouted at our neighbor, be strong. Those words in the Greek verb here is actually a passive voice. And what it is saying is, is this means not primarily something we do, be strong. He's he's not saying for you to do something, but this is something that is done to us. In other words, be strong, not because of something you're supposed to do, be strong, but hey, you can be strong because of what I've done for you. It's very interesting when you break this out. Then where it says to stand against, where we're standing against those wiles, the the things that the devil is firing at us, stand against, it means to hold at bay aggressively. Then that word wrestle, where we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. That means to engage actively. This word is active. We are to engage and actively wrestle. It's one-on-one combat. This is a fight we are fighting. Then it says, when you've done all that, to stand. Now, what does that word to stand mean? 
Because we just said that wrestling, that means to engage in one-on-one combat. That word, that, that word to stand means to be found standing after you have engaged in combat. But then it takes it a step further. Because not only does it say to stand, but then it says stand therefore. What does that mean? Well, that means you are to take your stand ready for the next battle that is to come. So we've got the in battle, after battle, and waiting for the next battle. That is what it means to put on our armor. And the thing that I love about Paul is the first element that he starts with is the truth. Now, if I'm doing an object lesson and I'm looking at a Roman guard, I would probably start up at the top and say, he's got on his helmet of salvation, then I'd move down to the breastplate, and then I'd move down and probably hit the belt next. Or maybe I'd do it the other way. I'd start with the shoes, the gospel of peace, and I'd come up and I'd hit the breastplate. No, 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 no. Paul starts right out of the gate, and if you know anything about Greek writings, you start out of the gate with the thing that has a heavy emphasis or importance. He's saying, if you don't get the truth right, if you are not girded with truth, the rest of it doesn't matter because you won't even know what you're fighting. You'll fight the wrong thing if you do not have the truth. That's why the truth is to be a belt that we wrap around us because the truth holds everything else up. As a matter of fact, the breastplate, the belt of truth was used to help hold the breastplate up because it was heavy. The truth can stand up to heavy things. The other thing that the belt was for is you would attach your sword to your belt because the belt and the sword are supposed to work in cooperation with each other. The truth and the word. You see, all the elements of the armor are defensive in nature, except for the sword. The sword is the only offensive weapon. And so when we are suited up properly from our head down to our feet, then we can stand against the wiles, the things that the devil throws at us, if we understand what truth is. But if we don't have a firm grasp on truth, then we're going to be suited up and we're going to be in the wrong battle because we don't even understand where the battle is. And I watched this in 2020. People had no idea we were even in a war because they weren't strapped with the truth. The truth is extremely important, which is why it's the first element mentioned. You see, Satan is called the father of lies. And if we're going to stand strong, we've got to know when those lies are being whispered to us. And we want to make sure that when we're fighting, we're fighting the right things and winning the battles. Well, some of you might say, Jesus already died on the cross. He won the battle. Why are we talking about all this fighting and, and armor in church when Jesus already did it? Let me just make something clear. Jesus was victorious. 
But the struggles that you and I face and the battles we fight are not to say what Jesus did on the cross wasn't victorious. We have the armor available because of what Jesus did, not in spite of it. Let me explain to you a little deeper what I mean. I'm going to go into uh, the Old Testament in Isaiah. Isaiah was actually type and shadow of Jesus. It talked all about Jesus before he walked on the earth in human form. And in Isaiah 11.5, Isaiah is prophesying this about Jesus who was to come. He says, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Then we drop down further in Isaiah 49.2. And this is actually the pre-incarnate Jesus speaking. In the scriptures, he's known as the second servant. The first servant being Isaiah. The second servant being Jesus. And Jesus begins to talk about himself. He says, he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. This is Jesus taking on flesh form. He's talking about how he was fashioned and formed and sent in human flesh. These things that Jesus is describing is tying into what Paul is saying when he's telling us to take up the armor, put on the armor, and then he describes those pieces of the armor. You see, what we've got to understand is this title is not called the Christian's armor or the believer's armor. This is called God's armor. Why? Because it was tailor-fit to the Messiah but he loaned it to all of us to use. So the equipment we are using is effective. It's the same equipment Jesus used. So this is not some random armor like Saul's armor that David is trying on. This was custom fit for the Messiah and God is offering it to us to be able to use in our every day life. This is powerful if we understand this. This isn't some random thing. What we have is powerful. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 6, when we are talking about the armor and we're going through that, let's hop on back to Ephesians chapter 1 because I told you how you start something is extremely important in Greek culture. So how does Paul start off Ephesians? He says, and you will know God's power, not my power, but you will know God's power is very great for us who believe. There's the for us again, not just what you, know, what you can do with the armor, but what's already been done for you and therefore you have the armor. Very great for us who believe. That power, the power that you have, it's the same power as the great strength God used to raise Christ from the dead and put him at his right side in the heavenly world. God has put Christ over all rulers, 
authorities, powers, and kings, not only in this world, but in the next. That is why we not only have dominion here, we have dominion in the heavenly realms, the principalities, the powers, the rulers. Those things, when we are using the, the sword of the Spirit and we're speaking it with our mouth and declaring it, and when we are covered with the armor, you see, a lot of times what we don't understand is a lot of us as Christians are out there quoting this scripture and using this scripture and the whole rest of us is uncovered. They are to work in tandem with each other, the defensive and the offensive together because many of us are very offensive. We're running out there. Well, let me tell you this scripture. Meanwhile, there's no helmet of salvation on and the devil is wreaking havoc in your mind. The breastplate isn't on. The most sensitive areas, the most vital areas, even a police officer wears that breastplate because that's where the vital things lie. His belt has all sorts of things attached to it. And if you don't listen to him, he's going to bring out some truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There is a reason God tells us to suit up and not just go get your sword. Many of us as Christians are pulling out the sword, but the rest of us is uncovered. And if we're missing a piece, we are exposed to the wiles. Now, what are wiles? Wiles simply translates as temptations, threats, confusion, and intimidation. And all of that is not just for when, when Paul wrote Ephesians, and it's not just what we deal with today. This goes all the way back to the garden. Confusion, intimidation. You see, the devil is a little bit smarter than sometimes we give him credit for. What happens is you see Satan show up in the garden, and what he doesn't do is say, hey, Eve, God said, don't eat that fruit, so don't eat it. Because she would have gone, no, no, no. He said, yeah, you, you, yeah I, you're right. I, I'm not supposed to eat this. No, 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 no. No, no, you are supposed to eat it. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. No, wait, you're not even supposed to touch it. Oh, wait, is that what God said? What did God say? Uh, well, um, you know, I mean, don't you want to be like him? He starts off with confusion and just trying to manipulate and twist. Hey, just go have a bite. You don't have to eat the whole thing. Can't you see this going down? If he were to just to come out of the gate and said, hey, go eat from that tree because God said it's no big deal, she would immediately go, no, 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 that's not what he said. But he doesn't start there because then that would be too black and white. And the devil lives in gray, confusion. And he says, hey, what did, what did God say over there about that tree? Well, uh, he said not to eat it. Did God say? Did he? Well, let me think back. I mean... Well, maybe he said not to touch it. Well, maybe confusion sets in 
And when we get confused, we are easily manipulated. Look at the last few years. Confusion. So here comes Satan in the garden. And he's like, did, did God really say that? She's like, well, now that you say that. And what happens? All of creation falls because she was confused, deceived, manipulated. She didn't have her armor fully on. It's always what the devil tries to do is he comes in and he just tries to make things blurry. I mean, did, did God really say you shouldn't have sex with somebody before you're married? I mean, did he really say that? I mean, it's 2023 and you really love each other. And you've been seeing each other for a while. And it's a whole lot cheaper just to move in together. I mean, isn't God a practical God? I mean, he's practical, right? Did he really say that? I mean, isn't that just a dusty relic Bible in grandma's attic? I mean, surely he's been modern since then. Did he really say that? I mean, did God really say there's only two genders I mean, did he really say that? We're bringing this 2023, right? Because we can look at Eve and say, I would have never done that. Let's, br let's bring it modern. Did God really say there's two genders? Yeah, well, actually he did. Male and female, he created them. He did. He said it. And he meant it. I mean, did God really say homosexuality is wrong? I mean, I'm seeing churches put the pride flag up and certainly, I mean, if that person's a pastor, I mean, surely they, they're hearing from God. I mean, maybe we need to like relax on that a little bit because see, you know, my neighbors, they're gay and they're really nice and like maybe we just need to like not be so rigid. You know, Christians can be so rigid. We need to be loving and kind. How are we gonna reach them without kindness? Shouldn't we love thy neighbor? I mean, that, the Bible says, love thy neighbor. And I'm not very loving if I'm not agreeing with what somebody's doing. Surely, surely, I mean, did, did God really say that? Well, this is why the sword is so important, because yes, he did. Leviticus 18.22, Romans 1.32, Romans 1.27, Leviticus 20.13, 1 Corinthians 6.9, 1 Timothy 1.10, Judges 1.7, Mark 10.6-9. How many more scriptures do you need, Christians? The Bible is very clear. But when the devil comes in and what he does is he invites us to put our own spin on truth. And when he invites us to put our own spin on truth so we don't hurt somebody's feelings. Listen, the biggest thing you can do is tell them the truth because that delivers their soul from hell. The truth is what stands and the truth is what we wrap around us and it holds everything else up. Without the truth, we aren't even fighting the right battles. And I'm not saying you fight with the person. 
It's very clearly we read in Romans. Our fight is in a spiritual realm, but we need to tell the truth so people understand. We need to stop trying to uh, appeal to the masses. Jesus never did that. He never said, please don't walk away from me. He let the truth be the truth, and if people walked, they walked. The rich young ruler walked away from him because he didn't like what Jesus had to say. Jesus went through temptation as well. He was in the wilderness. He had every opportunity, just like you and me, to succumb. And the devil is a master at deception and manipulation. He even twisted scriptures and served them up to Jesus, but Jesus had truth wrapped around him. Jesus knew that even when he was weak because he'd been fasting for 40 days and he was in the wilderness, he knew he had that helmet on protecting his head, his thoughts, his mind. Every time the devil served something up to him, Jesus refuted him with the word. And the same thing that Satan did to Jesus is the same thing he's doing to our young people today. Going for the identity. If you are the son of God, if you are, and you know, Jesus is like, hey, I watched you fall from heaven. Like a star that fell. I know who I am. I was there when you were created. I know who I am. And if you don't know who you are, the world will tell you. But he doesn't do it so forceful and bold. It's like, you know, are you really sure that's how you identify? Are you really sure? Well, why don't you just try this? And if you try this and you like this, maybe you're not really straight. That's what they're serving up right now. Did you know that? trying to get your children to experiment. And if they have a physiological reaction, then we're going to hone you in and this is the group you're in. They're subtly doing this. Confusion. Identity. The devil did the same thing to Jesus, attacked him in his thought life because he said, hey, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. And it says that he takes Jesus to this pinnacle, this high point where you could see every kingdom in all the world. Well, I have a picture of the world just in case you were before Christopher Columbus. Look at this. You tell me one place that you could go in the entire world and see all the kingdoms. Would it be from here? No. Would it be from up there? No. The world is round. You can't see all the way around the world. And the temptation of Jesus starts out with Jesus was in the wilderness. And when it says the devil takes him to the highest pinnacle, the devil is not omnipresent. He can't move like God can move. He's limited in his powers. So what he did was he took Jesus there in his mind, which is what he does for you and me. 
He takes us on journeys in our mind. And he's like, picture this. I'm going to give you the best job. I'm going to give you all this, but you're not going to be able to come to church anymore. But you're going to have the best job. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that you have this power. I'm going to make sure you have this. He, he throws these little golden carrots out in front of us. And if we aren't careful, we take the bait. If we don't know our identity. We've got to watch our thoughts. And parents right now, please speak into your children. Don't acquiesce just because you're like, well, my child is, is upset because I won't agree with how they are identifying. You should not. If it is not how God made them, do not agree with it. Do not agree with mental illness. You get them help. If your daughter is having trouble with anorexia or bulimia, you don't go, well, that's just how God made her. No, there's an identity issue. You get her help with it. We cannot subscribe to mental health as mental health issues being okay and normal. We treat mental health issues now. We don't ignore the person. We don't walk away from the person. We love the person enough to hold their feet to the fire so they can get the help that they need. The truth, the belt, allows us to hold everything else up by that. Not our opinions, not how we think or what we think or appeasing this. The truth is what holds everything else up. Without that, the other pieces of the armor are ineffective. The truth stands alone. As a matter of fact, you could identify a Roman soldier even when they were off duty because they still, even though the rest of their armor might not have been on, they weren't in active battle, they always had that truth, that belt wrapped around them. They always had it wrapped around them because it held up their tunic that's why it said to gird your loins. That's not vernacular that you and I would use, but it meant to have your back and your front covered, to be ready at all times with that truth that is surrounding you. Because you may find yourself in a battle when you are at rest and you didn't know it was coming, but that truth wrapped around you will protect you. As a matter of fact, when soldiers would walk around, even though they weren't in battle, that, that belt had little pieces of leather that would come down from it with little uh, pieces of metal that were attached to it. And so they would clank around. And you could hear that a Roman soldier was coming long before you saw them. Think of it, let's take it modern day again. You don't see the police car, but you hear the siren. And you know they're coming. It's the same way. You knew that a Roman soldier was coming because you could hear the truth walking in. You could hear the truth clinking together. The truth should be what is leading us. And you know what? It can stand the test of time. The truth doesn't change just because it's 2023. The truth remains, and we want his truth tightly fastened around us because we can't stand against the enemy without our armor. 
we're ill-equipped. You know, and when we walk through things in life, many of us tend to wonder. We go through battles, we go through things, and we tend to wonder, I mean, is our faith even real? Things can just feel really heavy. We doubt, we worry. And this is the reason some of us aren't progressing is because we aren't properly covered. If we keep fighting the exact same battle with the exact same enemy that we should have already licked and overcome, we need to ask ourselves why. Because having armor and putting on armor are two different things. Just because you have the armor doesn't mean that we're putting the armor on. I've gone through uh, periods of time in my life where I've gone into the doctor and one of the things that has happened to me is they told me I was vitamin D deficient. And they said, there's a couple ways that you can get this. You can get this through your food or you can get this from sunshine. And they said, and if those aren't working, we can give you something over the counter that will help you but it'll come from a plant-based source because we need you to get some more vitamin D. Do you know what would be really silly for me to say vitamin D doesn't work because it's not working in my life? Maybe I'm deficient. I, I brought this bowl of green beans in with me today. How many of you like green beans with like, you're Southern, you like Nana's fat back in it with the big old pot. And what you do is you boil Nana's green beans with that fat back for like 27 hours if you're Southern. Up North, they eat them crunchy. We don't eat them crunchy down here. We don't put little almonds on them with lemon zest and olive oil. We are cooking these green beans until they cannot stand up straight. They, if they're not limping and turned gray, they are not a Southern green bean. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Did you know that these green beans, I did a little green bean research. Did you know that these green beans have protein, iron, calcium, magnesium, folic acid, fiber, vitamin B6, vitamin A, vitamin C, and vitamin K? All of these vitamins are in these green beans. If I am vitamin deficient, and the green beans are sitting here, whose fault is it? Because this is what's happening with many of us. We're angry and we're mad at God because we're quote unquote vitamin deficient. And we're mad. And he's like, would you freaking eat your green beans already? Eat them! But we're leaving them on the table and you know what else we do? We're famous for doing this as Christians. Pastor Aaron, can you hold these? You know what? I am really mad at you. Everything seems to be going good in your life. Things seem to be going into play. Everything's working out. Your marriage is good. Your finances are good. Your family's good. And I'm ticked at you because I, I serve the same God. But why does your life look different than my life? God is not a respecter of persons and neither are green beans. 
If I get mad because Aaron is eating his green beans and I am not, <laughs> then what's the solution? Not to get mad. No, it's not that I want to just take your green beans. The solution is to pick up my own daggone green beans and eat them. You can keep those. I'm going to share with you. Do you understand? Do you see what's happening? We're leaving them on the table. We're leaving our armor and we're not putting it on and we're mad because we're going through battles and we're getting kicked and we're getting wounded. And God's like, I gave you what you need. I've done my part. Now it's time for you to do yours. Will you stand on your feet with me? I want to ask you this question today because this is a question I asked myself as I was reading through Ephesians chapter six. I started asking myself, what kind of soldier am I? If we are all in a battle and God is telling us we need to be suited up and ready for the fight, I started asking myself, what kind of soldier am I? And I want to ask you that question today. Would you just close your eyes and bow your head? You see, when you join the military, you should not think, act, or even look like a civilian. When I see people in the military, I can spot them. They have a look, they have a swagger, they have a walk. They have a vigilance about them. And I want to ask you this question today. What type of soldier are you? Are you a spy who is faking and pretending to be something that you're not? Are you a wounded warrior? Maybe you've been hurt and you can't fight properly because you need healing first. Maybe you've gone through a divorce or betrayal, loss, And you can't get in the fight because you never healed the wounds. Maybe you've gone AWOL, absent without leave. You signed up, you were enlisted, you were excited, and then you left your post. You went missing. Maybe you are trained and you are ready and you're that type of a soldier. But then there's this last one. It's a soldier that should be fighting, but never even enlisted. Today, I want to invite you to sign up to be a part of the army of God. I'm handing you the pen, asking you to sign your name. I'm asking you to be honest with where you are right now. You're sitting in the recruiter's office, being offered the opportunity of a lifetime, one that you don't wanna turn down. The benefits of being in this army outweigh anything you could ever imagine. Whether you're online or whether you are here physically in this room, 
I don't want you to wonder why things aren't working anymore. I want you to get in the army of God. If you would say today, I need my status to change. Maybe you are the spy, the wounded warrior, gone AWOL or not even enlisted, but you know that you need to change your status today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and you know that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, I know, thank you, thank you. Amazing, online, just click right there. There's a hand you can click. We're ready, we're suited up, we have our armor on. Let's say this together, all of us. Say, Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you that we are enlisting today in the army. If we've gone missing, we're coming back home. If we've been faking, we're making it right. If we've been AWOL, we're showing up for duty. If we've been wounded, we're allowing the healer to come in. God, we ask you to heal us, deliver us, set us free, and save us so we can be useful for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.